0: You're listening to a message at Riverland Hills Baptist Church by Dr. Ryan Pack. you're in the Columbia area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9, 1015, and 1130. Check us out on Facebook or visit riverlandhills.org to find out more about our ministries. Well, church, we have a big task to tackle today. We can't tackle it all today. We're going to talk about all inspiring worship today. And worship's a big topic. So like I said, we can't tackle it. All today, but uh, we're going to talk about today how to experience all inspiring worship. We're here in this room uh, from, from many different backgrounds and really for many different reasons today. Uh, some of you are here today because you are excited about hearing from God and you cannot wait to hear from God and you are really hungry. Some of you are here today because you um, Maybe you're struggling right now, and you're just seeking, and you said, you know what? I'm going to give church a try today, because I'm looking for some answers in life, and I will come today to, to give uh, church a try. So maybe some of you are there. Some of you came out of habit. Hey, it's Sunday morning. I live in the South, so uh, I'll come to church on Sunday morning, because that's just the thing we do, and so uh, that's why I came this morning. So some of you might fall in the category of, You did it out of rote or routine or out of habit. Some of you are here today out of force. Let's just be honest, all right? Let's just get it all out there. That uh, someone forced you to come this morning. You may not have wanted to, but you got here, and and you're here now. And so you realize, man, God's got something for me, and there's a a reason that I'm here. Some of you are here out of absolute desperation. If we were to talk today, some would say, I'm at the absolute end of my rope, and I'm completely desperate. And I am looking for some word, some nugget, something from God that's going to tell me that life's going to be okay, and that I'm going to make it through this week. And maybe you're here because of that. And again, each week it might differ for you on the reasons that we're here, but here's what we, we must move towards. We must move towards worship, that the reason that we worship, the reason that we're here, and the reason that we do it, It's because we want to focus on God and God alone, and we want to be caught up in being in awe of who God is, and in everything that we do during the week, being inspired by who God is and what He has planned for our lives. So I hope this morning we'll understand a little bit more about worship through that. If you're just joining us, we're in the midst of a sermon series entitled The Pursuit. And we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes where Solomon starts this pursuit and writes about this pursuit. He's near the end of his life. And in Ecclesiastes, he gives us really his diary of all these pursuits that he tried. Um, He tried everything. He tried pleasures, and he tried all these different relationships, and he tried money. Uh, Matter of fact, from a physical standpoint, he's taken us on a journey from the marketplace to the workplace. He's taken us to gardens and vineyards. Uh, He's taken us to the palace. And now in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes, he takes us to the temple. And he says, look, I've tried everything to find satisfaction in life, and so now I'm going to take a look at what happens at the temple. And the threads that have run through Ecclesiastes, there's one thread, there's this thread of pessimism where Solomon will dabble in something and then he'll say, "I didn't taste good. Or he'll dabble in something and said, well, that gave me a little bit of enjoyment, but then it fizzed out, faded out. And so he keeps going back and forth with all this pessimism that I want more, I desire more, but I'm not being satisfied in the things that I'm experimenting with, as he says. And then there's this other thread where he's taught us in the first four chapters up to this point. He's taught us purpose. Like, for example, in chapter 3, he said there's purpose in seasons in life. And he gives us this great insight to some of the reasons why things happen in our life. So there's this odd balance of pessimism and purpose. But praise the Lord, today in chapter 5, he hits home with purpose. That this is the purpose of why we should worship. And he gives us some specifics on how to do it. Here's the mode we're in. We're in the mode that we're busy. You might have even been rushed trying to get to church this morning. You may have walked in late. It might have been hectic getting the kids ready. It might have just been a very, very busy morning. So we're just kind of in this, this thought of, okay, I go listen to a few songs, uh, listen to the pastor for a few minutes, and then I leave and go on with my week. There's much, much, much more to worship. And so it's my prayer today that we'll get a handle on how to worship and what that looks like. So if you would join me in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 today to find what meaning looks like when we really understand all inspired worship, where we just get caught up in awe of God. Look at this. He says, first of all, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you owe. It is better that you should not vow than you should owe and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So how do we fear God? How do we revere him? How do we worship him? Well Solomon gives some very interesting insights and this is what I love about the word of God. I get so excited about God's word because I'm reading text to you from 3,000 years ago. And what I love about the word of God is these instructions for worship from, 3, from 3,000 years ago is applicable in the modern age in 2017. So I wanna look at some of these. You experience all inspiring worship through, first of all, advanced preparation. You experience all inspiring worship through advanced preparation. I mean, let's just be honest with each other. We prepare more to tailgate than we do to worship. We really do. We'll prepare more for a dinner party than we do for worship. And so Solomon gives some very interesting instructions in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Now, what this means in the Hebrew, this phrase, guard your steps, it means pay, a pen, pay attention to your steps or pay attention to the direction of your feet, is the specific in the Hebrew. I mean, it says guard your steps. You think, well, I'm glad I didn't trip over the curb walking into church this morning. That's not what it means. What he means is, is that where your feet are pointed is the direction you're going. So if I want to walk this way, my feet are going to be pointed this way. If I want to walk this way, my feet are going to be pointed this way. And I'm going to go the direction that my feet are going. And so Solomon concludes and his study of everything from the palace to the vineyard to the workplace to the marketplace, and now he takes a look at the temple, and he concludes what happens in the temple has something to do with the direction of our feet. I wonder what direction your feet have been pointed this week. I wonder if you've been taking steps toward God or away from God. I wonder if if we're moving steps to grow closer to God or if we're moving away from God. And see, here's the frustration with what happens on Sunday morning for many of you. You would say, you know what, I've come to worship this morning. I sang a song or a few songs. I heard a sermon, but I'm not getting anything out of it. And I'm wondering why I'm not getting anything out of it. Matter of fact, the conversations people often have after a worship service is, hey, did you get anything out of it? Friends, we are asking the wrong questions. The question is not to be asked, what did I get out of worship? The question to be asked is, what did I bring to worship? That's the question that must be asked. Because he says, guard your steps. So we just come in here half-hearted. We, we come in here with our feet going a bunch of different directions. We come together to worship corporately when throughout the week we haven't been following God at all. And then we blame God or point fingers saying, I didn't get anything out of it. We don't get anything out of it because we don't walk in a direction to put anything in to it. So I wonder if in your life right now there's some area of rebellion or some area of unconfessed sin. I wonder when you come to worship, Not only corporately, and by the way, this is a time of corporate worship, and the reason why this time should be electric and should be exciting and should be phenomenal and should be awe-inspiring is because the way it should work is that people that have been following God, reading God's Word, worshiping God, their feet pointed towards God all week long as individuals, then come together corporately. You want to talk about stirring the fires of revival? When you have people that have been walking with God all week as individuals, then they come together corporately. And they are pumped up, jazzed up, super excited that they're there together worshiping God, then things start happening. But it goes back to whether or not I guarded my steps before I entered into the house of God. And you know what we've made the house of God? We've made the house of God a house of preferences. That I want this song and that song or this preference towards this style of worship or that style of worship. And what we've done is we've worshipped our preferences more than we worship God. We worship what we want to get out of it more than we'll put into it. And so if we're going to have awe-inspiring worship, there must be some advanced preparation. Well, how do I prepare? Well, you prepare each day. By spending time in the Word of God, you prepare each day when you're with God in prayer. That's how you prepare that. I want to hear from God, and I want to spend time with God. And so as we pray, as we seek God during the week, as we worship God during the week, that we come together then corporately to focus our attention on Him. Solomon tells us, worship requires advanced preparation. Secondly, All inspiring worship happens through intentional listening. I hope you caught this when we read the text, but there are numerous times that Solomon talks about listening. For example, verse 1, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they're doing evil. Verse 2, Be not rash with your mouth, let, your heart, let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. Then he goes on in that verse to say, let your words be few. This is not true for all of us in this room, but this is true for some of us in this room. Some of us right now are not hearing from God because we talk too much and listen too little. So, Solomon gives this very interesting instruction. He says, Look, don't talk too much. Let your words be few. He says, Don't be rash with your mouth. When you draw near to God, draw near to God to listen to Him. You know what we typically do when we pray? We just start out, dear Lord, I've got this going on. You haven't addressed this yet. God, why are you delayed with this? God, why aren't you fixing this the way that I told you to fix this? And we just come to God with this talk, 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 where God's trying to get our attention and say, you know what? I am working in your life. I'm working behind the scenes in ways you haven't even seen yet. I am working towards those things that you've been praying for. By the way, God's delays are not God's denials. Please understand that. Oftentimes what God's trying to do is he's trying to teach us to listen. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to what I'm trying to say to you? When you pray, do you come just with babbling and talking, or are you really listening to me? People often ask me as pastor, well, how do I listen to God? I'll tell you one way you can't go wrong listening to God is by reading God's Word Because you see, this is the Word of God, and God has spoken through His Word. And one of the best ways you're going to be able to know the will of God for your life, and you're going to be able to guarantee that you're correctly hearing from God, is to read His Word. And when we read His Word, He challenges us to change things in our life and to correct things in our life. So when we listen to the Word of God, God's speaking to us at that moment to make a change. For example, let's say that I opened up Scripture and I studied the verse tomorrow that says, um, do not let the sun go down in you, in anger. In other words, did you know that anger has an expiration date? And according to the Word of God, Scripture says, do not let the sun go down in your anger. Well, I can read that and say, nice devotion, go on to work, do life as I normally do, that night be mad as fire, and the next morning wake up even madder, go through anger again the next day, go to bed the next night, wake up the next morning, and it's stewed and brewed a little bit more, and so I'm more angry again the next day, and on and on and on. And do you know there's people in our churches today that have done that pattern for years? And then they wonder why they can't worship God. Listen, when has God spoken? God has spoken when His Word says, In your anger, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. If you go pull the milk out of the refrigerator and the expiration date was August 30th, and I just said August 30th, right? You ain't drinking that milk. And if you do, you're crazy. Do not drink the milk from August 30th. I'm just telling you. It has an expiration date. In other words, it goes sour at some point. Do you understand that anger goes sour? (laughs) Do you understand that hatred and revenge go sour? You can't live like that. And so when has God spoken to me about anger? Well, He's spoken to me when I read it in His Word. (laughs) But the question is, is whether or not I listened, whether or not you listened. And so we must be intentional with our listening and be intentional with when we come to worship God that we're listening. That's why David wrote, be still and know that I am God. He didn't say get busy and know that I'm God. He didn't say go do a lot of activity and know that I'm God. He said be still and know that I'm God. Be still. To be honest, some of us are too fidgety to hear from God. Because we won't, spend, we won't spend time with him. We won't listen to what his word says. We won't go to him in prayer. But yet we'll shake our fists when things don't go our way, right? But we won't listen. So Solomon very wisely, Solomon had his flaws. Solomon had his faults. But Solomon here very wisely says, look, when we enter into the house of God, our feet have gotta be facing the right direction. So we gotta be prepared. Second of all, he says, we have to listen intentionally. Third, he tells us this, if we're gonna experience awe-inspiring worship, we have to have honest motives. We must have honest motives. Catch what he said in verses four and five. When you vow a vow to God, verse four, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you owe. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let your mouth not lead you into sin. Have any of you ever bargained with God? Hey, God, if you get me through this one, I promise I'm gonna get this area in my life straightened out. Hey, God, if you'll just pull me through this next week, and if you'll just help me get past this one little challenge in life, then I promise I'll give up that habit. I promise that I'll get my life right. Just give me one more chance to do it, and I promise, I vow to you, that I will get my life right. And how many times a year later, we're still making the same promises with no changes? So the scripture is very, very clear. When you make a vow to God, don't delay in doing what you said you were going to do. In other words, we must be honest with God. Have you ever had a preschooler try to bargain with you? Have you ever had a preschooler say, just one more cartoon, and I promise I'll go take my nap? Mom, if you'll just get, let me watch one more cartoon. I promise, I promise, I promise I'll go take my nap. And then after that cartoon, hey, Mom, just one more cartoon, right? Or have you ever had a, a kid you're trying to put to bed at night say, just one more story, just one more bedtime story. This will be the last one. I promise this is the last one. Then you tell them that story, and guess what they want? Five more stories, right? I wonder... If we are coming to God like a preschooler mentality. That we make all these bargains, we make all these vows, we say all these things that we're going to do, and then we never do it. And then we wonder why worship feels lifeless. We wonder, why does worship not feel authentic? Why does it not feel real? Why do not I get anything out of it? Well, we don't get anything out of it because we don't put anything into it. We're not preparing in advance for God to be at work. We're not listening to Him in our private life and in our private time with God and in our personal quiet time with Him. We're not listening to Him and we're not being honest before Him. Matter of fact, some of us aren't worshiping well today because we're hiding things from God or we think we are. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, 12, somewhere in there, it says, Nothing. From all creation, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. But everything is uncovered and laid bare before the one to whom we must give an account. Nothing's hidden from him. I think that's 4.12. Nothing's hidden from him. Everything's uncovered before him. But we wonder why our worship is hindered. But one of the big reasons our worship is hindered is because we're not honest. We're not being honest with God. And I've got great news for you. According to the Word of God, it is okay to not be okay. Okay? It is okay to not be okay. It's called grace. God understands. God knows that we've rebelled. God knows that we've pointed our feet the wrong direction. God knows that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. It doesn't say when we cleaned up, Christ died for us. It doesn't say when we get our act together that Christ's grace is enough for us. No, it says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's okay to not be okay. We all have issues. We all have things that we struggle with. But the question we have to ask to have all inspired worship, am I being honest with God? Am I really being honest before Him? Am I bringing things to Him that I struggle with? Am I being honest with Him about things that I say I'm going to do? When I'm confronted with something in Scripture, am I being honest about the struggle I have? When I'm confronted with something in Scripture, am I honestly taking steps to do what's right before God? Fourth, we experience awe-inspiring worship through accurate focus. Some of you today, you so bad, you're so, more than anything, you want to experience God more. And I am, exper- I, right now, I am convinced that people are hungry for God in ways we've never been hungry before But because of the fast changes in our culture and because of the stagnation in the church, we've just said, all right, we'll just go do the routine thing. We'll just go do the the rote thing at church. We'll just go do that worship thing. But we're not doing it in an awe-inspiring way because we've just kind of brought our standards down and said, eh, I'll just accept that church is at this level and I'll never get anything else out of it. Shame on us. We have lost our focus, and listen to what scripture says. Scripture says in Ecclesiastes 5 in verse uh, 2, it says, um, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. In other words, be careful with those words. Listen more than you talk. Why? For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Often what we do in worship is we're trying to fit God in our box. God, I want you in this little box. This is what I need. This is what I want. So we try to cram God into a box. Real worship is when we open up our box, the box of our life, and we say, God, here's the box of my life. I surrender it to you completely. Everything that's in here, including all the hiccups, hang ups, and junk, everything in here, I release to you. Wow is you, woe is me. That's worship. Wow is God. Woe is me. Worship causes us to realize God's position of his greatness, but worship helps us to realize our position that I'm a sinner in need of grace. So that's when it becomes all inspiring And he said, look, we've got to realize that God's in heaven and I'm here on earth. And then Solomon concludes in verse 7 of this section, but God is the one you must fear. God is the one you must fear. Truth of the matter, some of you fear human beings more than you fear God. Some of us fear the words of man more than we fear God. Some of us are more worried about impressing human beings than we are serving God. And the way we know we've messed that up is when we mess up the wow is God, woe is me. Too often we're saying, Wow is me, where is God? And so we've got to get this right. There's a famous African American preacher by the name of S.M. Lockridge. S.M. Lockridge was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California, uh, for about 40 years. And uh, he served faithfully, and he's got many famous sermons that he preached. He actually passed away in the year 2000. But one of his most famous sermons he preached, he was trying to describe to his church how great God is. And he he tried to find all the words he could think of to describe the bigness of God and the greatness of God. And so he had a famous message called, That's My King. I don't have time to do all of it today, but I wanted to read some portions to you from S.M. Lockridge's sermon, That's My King. S.M. Lockridge said, well my king is a king of knowledge he's the wellspring of wisdom he's the doorway of deliverance he's the pathway of peace he's the roadway of righteousness he's the highway of holiness he's the gateway of glory he's the master of the mighty he's the captain of the conquerors he's the head of heroes he's the leader of legislators he's the overseer of overcomers he's the governor of governors he's the prince of princesses he's the king of kings and lord of lords that's my king his office is manifold his promise is sure His light is matchless his goodness is limitless his mercy is everlasting his love never changes his word is enough his grace is sufficient his reign is righteous his yoke is easy and his burden is light well I wish I could describe him to you but he's indescribable yes he's incomprehensible he's invincible he's irresistible I'm coming to tell you the heaven of heavens cannot contain him let alone man explaining him. you can't get him out of your mind you can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Praise the Lord. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Well, all the power belongs to my king. Thine is the power and the glory. We try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves but the glory is all his yes thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and how long is that and ever and ever and ever and ever and when you get through with all the evers amen that's my king oh. amen and amen that's who Jesus is and I wonder today do you know him I mean, we come together for worship, but do you know Him personally? Have you made a decision to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior? Some of you today, you need to make that decision. Others of you, you do know Him, but you're not worshiping Him. You're not worshiping Him because your feet are pointed a different direction. Instead of being pointed towards God, you're running away from God. Some of you today, you know Christ. You've prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're not listening to Him. Some of you today know Christ, but you're not being honest with him. And some of you today, you know Christ, but you're not focused on him being God who is in heaven and the part that you play here on earth. You're not being focused. We want to help you in your faith journey. First of all, I want to say again, it's okay not to be okay. And I want you to know we have folks this morning that want to help you. Maybe you need prayer this morning. We have folks that want to help you. Maybe this morning you want to know what it means to know Christ and pray to receive Christ today, but you have questions. We have folks that want to help you. Today you may be ready to join Rivlin Hills, and you just need to know what steps you need to take to join Rivlin Hills, and we have folks that want to help you. Or maybe today you're just wondering about next steps on how can I get involved, how can I serve, how can I be a part of this church in a different level than I have been. Well, right at the end of this service, we're gonna sing again in just a moment, but at the end of this service, if you go right back out the doors you came in, right to your left, there's a big sign that says connections and there's folks there that wanna help connect with you and help connect you to God. So if you have questions, if you're in need of prayer, if you're in need of any help in your faith journey, questions about joining this church, you're going to go right out of that door, door, right behind you, take a quick left, and there's going to be folks there that are ready to help you. Heavenly Father, you are so great. It's so hard to describe you. You are our king. You are our mighty king, and we worship you, and we praise you because you're king of kings and lord of lords. And I pray as we learn more about how to worship you that we would be a people that say, wow is you and woe is me. I pray that we would be a people that understand who you are in your place and that we would be a people that fully understand our place. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we want to give our lives to you. So, Father, I pray that we would be challenged to say yes, that we would not put off the important task of knowing you as our personal Lord and Savior. And if we know you already, the important task of guarding our steps so that our feet are pointed towards you and you alone.